Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome. I am so glad you're joining me today. Um, I have Dr. Todd Cooney uh, back with us, and he is going to be sharing some really important information um, about the um, horrible condition that many of us see our dogs suffer from, and even our cats, IBS and IBD, irritable bowel syndrome or irritable bowel disease, which basically are lumped into one. So thank you, Dr. Todd. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Thanks, Tammy. Glad to be here. Yeah. So I was kind of looking at um, an article that you had written um, called The Importance of Diet in Homeopathic Treatment. And one of the first sentences of the article I just absolutely love because it says, food is the foundation of all life and good food forms the foundation of good health. That is so powerful. And, and I think that we can weave that into kind of the IBD, IBS situation that so many, you know, pet parents are plagued with. So maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about what some of the symptoms are of that to begin with, and then maybe we can kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, the the symptoms of IBS and IBD both are, are pretty, can be pretty common. I mean, they're pretty mundane kind of symptoms a lot of times, and it can start off with just having a, a finicky appetite, you know, sometimes you have an animal and they just aren't really good eaters. They, it's hard to get them to eat things. You try different things. They don't seem to be that interested. And, and they'll occasionally um, vomit, maybe vomiting first thing in the morning before eating or vomiting up their food, having soft stools, diarrhea, constipation, different kinds of GI symptoms. And, and a lot of people will will just say, oh, you know, they have a sensitive stomach, and they'll they'll look for one of those foods that say for a sensitive stomach, and mm-hmm. they'll feed that. And with with cats, one of the more common thing is cats that throw up hairballs. You know, a lot of people think that's normal for cats, but it's really not. It's really a symptom of IBD, and and normal cats don't really do that very much. Hmm. So so that can be a sign of irritable bowel in cats. That can be pretty common. And uh, I had one person tell me one time, well, you know, cats, they just throw up a lot. And right. I, I know. I said, well, they, they shouldn't really, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not that normal. But And dogs tend to vomit easily. That's, that's kind of a characteristic of dogs and part of a defense mechanism, I think, so that they don't get poisoned because when they're out there eating all kinds of garbage. You know? Yeah. <laughs> they no have kidding. to be able to get rid of it quickly sometimes. Absolutely. So, yeah. So some of those things don't always mean IBS or IBD, but, but they can be symptoms of sure. that. Sure. Yeah. 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 We have a lot of um, clients and customers that come into us and, you know, they're at their wits end because they, you know, their dog is straining or um, diarrhea, you know, chronic diarrhea and, they're just not, you know, and they're, and they're being treated conventionally, but they're just not seeing the results maybe, or maybe it'll be under control for a couple months and then it just, you know, 
bang, it's all back with a, you know, just with a vengeance. And so they get real frustrated. And so we kind of work through some things with them, but um, what are some of the things that um, you as a conventional veterinarian, what are some of the things you've seen that is typically prescribed or done um, to treat IBS and IBD? Well, a lot of, uh, you know, I think one of the more common drugs is probably metronidazole. That's given a lot, especially for diarrhea. And, and um, Which is an antibiotic. It's an antibiotic, yeah, that tends to work on the mm-hmm. on the large bowel. So okay. it, it tends to wipe out the bad bacteria, which may be causing some of the trouble, but it tends to wipe out a lot of the good bacteria too. So a lot of animals end up in a you know, in a bad state, an imbalanced state, because their their good bacteria have gotten wiped out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people call that dysbiosis a lot of times. It's just a, a disrupted state of the of the biome, you know, the gut's microbiome, which is really mm-hmm. a critical thing. So, you know, when you when you use any kind of an antibiotic, a lot of times you have potential for really upsetting the gut balance and it can be hard to get that back. Absolutely. So, you know, any any type of antibiotic really, whether it's a uh, moxicillin or suplexin or some of the newer ones. Um, and then other things too, like ant- antacids for stomach, mm. like famotidine, pepsid, a lot of people will use those. A lot of vets will prescribe those for for um, GI upsets mm-hmm. and vomiting. And you know, they all they all really fall into the cat that category of um Know, symptom blockers there yes they're anti any anything that has the prefix anti is a is a symptom blocker mm-hmm. so most conventional medicines are anti something you know anti-inflammatory antibiotic anti-nausea anti-diarrhea you know they're all they're all geared to block symptoms i and love how you sim- put that that makes so much yeah. sense um And it's to me, it also doesn't make any sense why in general we would want to create less acid in the gut of an animal that needs it to digest their food. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, they need more acid. And um, a lot of times it's a, they found that in people, even with stomach ulcers, like Mm -hmm. they they don't have enough stomach acid is a lot of times the problem. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's, um, and that's, that's one of the reasons like feeding fermented foods, I think helps with animals so much Mm -hmm. because you're, you're helping that acidity problem. Yeah. And like, for example, um, I know someone who had acid reflux pretty bad and they started drinking apple cider vinegar every day. And it literally cured it. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's it's amazing. So, when you say fermented, you know, and I'm talking about the the brags with the mother. Obviously, that's you know, it's different. Mm -hmm. So, that's a good one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. What do you find are some of the foods that typically are suggested? um, You know, from the conventional standpoint. Um, Well, a lot of times they'll. You know, they'll recommend like a prescription type diet. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the one of the big pet food companies brand of prescription food, usually a, a bland a bland diet. 
which usually means the dog won't be excited about it. Or exactly. the cat. You know, good luck getting a cat to eat a bland diet. Um, yes. Some dogs will eat them if they have a healthy enough appetite, but but usually their appetite isn't that great either. And so you combine that with a bland diet, and then you have a dog who really isn't excited about their food. Exactly. And, you know, that's one of the things and, I think a lot of times, you know, pet parents will say to us is, you know, I know that he needs to eat this food that the vet suggested, but he won't touch it. And yeah, because yeah, right. it's just not tasty. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I remember one of the old uh, weight loss diets was one of the first ingredients was ground, ground peanut hulls, not peanuts, but ground peanut hulls. Mm. You know, the things you find on the floor at Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because that makes and, a lot of sense. And that was the first ingredient. And I swear I never met a dog that would eat that food. You know, mm-hmm. It was crazy. But yeah, not a natural thing for them to seek out for sure. No, and not tasty at all. Yeah. So, what you know, one of the things that um, I also saw kind of in this article that I'd like to, for you to maybe dive into a little bit more is the role that nutrition plays with, you know, I guess balancing the body, but also that some people are more prone to some chronic diseases and how that all kind of ties in together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, well, um, Hahnemann, you know, who founded homeopathy, he, he was well aware of nutrition and the importance of nutrition. And he was, um, you know, he was a physician, but he was also a chemist. And he knew a lot about chemistry, including the body's chemistry. And um, so he he knew that, you know, the right remedy was real important, but he also knew that the right nutrition was real important. And they really go hand in hand. And um, because, you know, if we find the right remedy for an animal, it's going to help, but it's, it's not going, it, it'll only go so far if they're eating a bad diet. And... The, the same with eating a good diet. It, it might not be well uh, used by the animal if they have pretty bad chronic disease. You know, mm-hmm. they would probably need a remedy to help, you know, reorder their their uh, digestion, get get things back in order so that they can make the most of that food, even if it's a really good diet. Right. So, they so really for go example, hand hand. Yeah. like for, for example, they may, you know start on a better diet, they do some research and they say, oh, you know what? I think I need to, you know, start on this diet. And maybe they see yeah. a little bit of improvement, yeah. but they're just not able to see a long lasting improvement. So that's where maybe, like you said, the the kind of the kick of homeopathy might just get them over that hump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of times my tendency at first will be not to, unless the diet's really bad, you know, if it's really needs help, we'll, we'll change the diet. But usually we'll just start by trying remedies mm-hmm. and then we'll bring in some diet changes after a while, after we see what the remedy by itself can do. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes it can help an animal use a, you know, make the most out of a, a bad diet or one that's not, not optimum. They can get better use of it. And so you don't have to do a lot of changes. Right. So what are um, some of the best foods that you found for um, those dogs that and cats that have really been just plagued with that chronic diarrhea and vomiting and 
Um, what uh, do you suggest for food? It's it's tricky. You know, it's one of the it's one of the toughest things, really, and it can be a really stubborn issue, especially especially long standing chronic diarrhea. You know, like we'll see a dog that's had diarrhea for a year or maybe longer, and mm. just almost nonstop. You know, and that's wow. that's a lot of that's a lot of upset there. That's no a lot kidding. Of chronic disease. Um. Back before I knew much about homeopathy, I I would try different things with diet, and one of the one of the best things I found was um, potatoes hmm. for dogs. But um, we would have people just stop their regular diet and just get uh, sweet potatoes or yams and white potatoes. Just cut them up and do like a fifty fifty mixture. Boil them, mash them up, make like a really soft mash with that. And add maybe a vitamin mineral mix or something, but but just do that for a few days to see if the stools started to firm up. Mm-hmm. And most dogs would eat that pretty well, you know. They would. It, it, it didn't taste too bad, and I think they thought they were getting a treat because maybe it's some sort of human food. They thought. right. Um, so I had pretty good luck just doing that combination. It's pretty simple, and um, you know, a lot of people will try things like. Um, cooked rice and mm-hmm. uh, yogurt or cottage, cottage cheese, scrambled eggs, mm-hmm. pretty easy on the gut, pretty easy to digest. But, you know, honestly, a real powerful thing for diarrhea is just fasting. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you can, if you can fast an animal for 24 or 48 hours and maybe just instead of any food, you just offer uh, like a, a vegetable soup broth and water. And it sounds like torture. It sounds like something you do it, to a prisoner, right? Exactly. I know so many people um, are thinking, oh, my goodness, I cannot imagine doing that to my little baby, <laughs> you know. I know. But, you know, if you've if you've dealt with diarrhea for a long time, and a lot of times people are willing to try mm-hmm. almost anything. But it's amazing with some of these situations how fast that'll work. Sometimes all you need to do is skip a couple of meals and offer something like that instead. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives the body a real good chance to kind of recalibrate and detox. Right. And, you know, that combined fasting combined with some good homeopathic mm-hmm. remedies can really be a powerful combo too. So, right. So, so how a, do you, how do you tell the difference between, um, like, is it more the disease or is it more of a nutritional deficiency? Um, sometimes you can't tell the difference. You know, you, you may get a suspicion based on the diet, but, you know, if they're on a pretty decent diet, then I, I start suspecting maybe it's more related to chronic disease and not, you know, not just a bad diet or, the, or something being wrong with the diet. So especially, um, you know, especially if you got an animal that's had a history of a lot of vaccines, I really, I really think a lot about chronic disease then. And, um, you know, vaccinosis, just because it, it affects the immune system so much. Mm, exactly. So, yes. Yeah. So, um, so maybe talk a little bit about that, like how, how <clears throat> vaccine, you know, um, administration or vaccine, you know, how does that relate to. IBS, IBD, because I think for the average person out there, there's never a link between, vac- you know, I got yeah. my vaccines, you know, six months ago, 
and now my dog has IBD, you know, how could that be responsible? Yeah, right. Well, and for a lot of vets, there's no connection either. Of course, yeah. Yeah, um, And and a lot of it is that that time delay, you know, that, that time factor where, you know, here we have vaccines and now we're six months later and we're having this, there can't be a connection. You know, it's mm-hmm. too, is too much time, but you're talking about immune system dysfunction, you know, and autoimmunity and um, immune mediated problems. And, and those things don't show up overnight. A lot of times they, mm-hmm. they show up gradually. And, and we know the vaccines trigger that, you know, they, you know, a vaccine will trigger autoimmunity just about a hundred percent of the time. And so auto, you know, most of the immune system is in the gut, you know, about 70, 70, 80%, depending sure. on what you read mm-hmm. is in the gut, which makes sense because, you know, the gut is just a long tube that's lined with immune cells. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's main job is absorbing nutrients, of course, but it's lined with immune, immune cells because, it's a first line of defense, you know, it's a Mm -hmm. critical line of defense for a lot of stuff trying to get into the body through the gut. So, so you have this tube that is like a long tube of, think of it as long tube of immune fighters, you know, Mm -hmm. immune cells that are ready to go. And when those get disrupted or confused, guess what? They're, they're going to do autoimmune things and, and start attacking the body's own proteins and tissues and so you end up with this this inflammatory bowel problem, which is really an autoimmune problem mm. because the immune system is confused and it's starting to attack itself. And, you know, that's that's the definition of autoimmunity is the immune system is not doing the right thing. Right. It's confused. So, yeah. Like in autoimmune anemia, it's attacking the red cells and tearing down red cells faster than it can make them. But right. in autoimmune uh, gut disease or IBS, IBD, it's it's kind of more boring because it's not immediately life threatening. You know, like the anemia can be life threatening. Oh, sure, really yeah. Quick. But the IBS or IBD is just it's a nuisance. I mean, at first it's just annoying because you've got chronic diarrhea, chronic mm-hmm. vomiting, maybe an animal that's losing weight and not eating well. You know, nothing that seems really life threatening at first, but but over the long haul, it can be pretty devastating. Absolutely. And, well, and the animal yeah. can't be feeling good, you know, I mean, or or at least yeah. not at its peak. You know, it still may be oh, okay, yeah. but, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most of them, you know, if you really look closely or question people closely, they you can tell they aren't feeling well. You know, they're not 100%. Mm-hmm. They're, or they're not. They'll say things like they just aren't acting themselves. You know, they just don't. They just don't want to play. They don't want to do as much as they used to. They lay around a lot. They have less energy. Mm-hmm. And so, so a lot of times the first thing we see with a good prescription of a remedy is they have more energy. Mm-hmm. You know, they just act like they feel better. And people who take remedies have experienced that too. You know, where that's the first thing you just, you kind of feel like a weight's been lifted off your shoulders or something. You feel better. Um, mentally before your body starts to feel better. <clears throat> so, Exactly. So if you had a, if you just maybe kind of give us an idea, like if you had a client come to you and maybe they've been, you know, dealing and battling with this chronic 
you know, inflamed bowel situation for some time, what might be some things that you would, you would look at and how, you know, kind of how different that would be from maybe the conventional approach? Um, well, first, first, you know, we, we kind of look at it from a, from a whole animal perspective, you know, and try to get a sense of, you know, how, how long has this gone on? How, how did it start? You know, what did it look like at first? Because that's always a pretty good key to um, finding, making the good remedy choices, figuring mm-hmm. out how it started, what it looked like before it got tinkered with, you know, mm-hmm. what it looked like before there was any treatment. Sure. And because sometimes tr- trying to match a remedy with uh, something that's been treated a lot is harder to do because you're not really seeing the the true uh, symptom picture. Oh, that's you're, really you're a seeing, good point. Yeah. Yeah. You're seeing something that's more distorted. Mm-hmm. And so, hmm. yeah, it's, so that, that can be tricky, but um, so usually we'll go into that and, and try to get a sense of the whole animal, you know, what are the kind of issues are they having other than the GI trouble? You know, are they are they grumpier now? Are they more sensitive? Are they more clingy? You know, how are they acting overall? How is this affecting them? Mm-hmm. Um, is it affecting their sleep? Is it affecting their attitude towards other people and animals and things like that? Because mm-hmm. that that can help guide you to the right their remedy as well. Because there are a lot of remedies that fit GI symptoms, so it can be a little it can be a little hard to narrow it down sometimes right until you get you know if you get a few good clues that help you narrow it down that makes it a lot easier mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so are there maybe kind of a <clears throat> i don't know and i again i know that when you take on cases that are chronic disease you do a you know more of a um fact finding consultation where you're really digging in a little bit deeper but maybe just for the sake of you know, this episode, do you find that there is a, are a handful of remedies that tend to maybe be some of your go-tos? Yeah, definitely there are. And, you know, you're not, they say you're not supposed to have favorite remedies, but (laughs) I have to confess I have some favorite remedies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, probably the one that is most commonly used in, in, pretty well known as Nux Vomica. And that's, you know, that one covers all sorts of digestive issues and uh, poor nutrition, also treats bad effects of drugs and chemicals, overeating, um, even animals that are prone to seizures and have stool issues. And especially if the animal has become more irritable and oversensitive, you know, and they tend to be grumpy when they're not Mm -hmm. feeling good. You know, and that and that fits a lot of animals. It's a lot of people too, but but it really it, it's probably the biggest. Um, the remedy has the widest coverage, I think, of all the GI. Rem- if I could only have one remedy for GI problems, it would probably be next vomit. Really, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. it makes sense that they would be grumpy. I mean, when you don't feel good, you know, <clears throat> yeah, it makes you grumpy. Well, yeah, and the other, you know, the other extreme is um is like pulsatilla those animals will become clingy mm. you know when they don't feel good they they can have gi issues too but instead of being grumpy they'll they'll turn into like velcro animals and they mm-hmm. they'll want to be with you all the time and 
you know, follow you from room to room and be as close as they can to you. And the next Zonica animal will probably be off in a different room and be grouchy if you go try to bring them in the same room with you. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, right there is a good, is a good dividing, um, something helps you divide those remedies. Sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, another one, the other one probably that I wouldn't want to be without is arsenicum mm-hmm. for GI problems. And it's, of course, one of our best parvo remedies. And um, anything related to garbage eating or, you know, food poisoning, animals who got into something really awful that's making them feel sick. Um, and, and usually arsenicum cases are going to be very restless you know they'll they'll be pacing around they they might lay down pop right back up move around again they can't seem to get comfortable Mm. and they'll usually have vomiting and diarrhea and the stool will have a really extra bad odor i mean poop never smells good anyway but you know it'll have a really bad odor like something died and anyone who's ever smelled parvo Mm -hmm. stool knows what that Mm -hmm. knows what that's like so, yeah, so those are some ways you can kind of differentiate arsenicum from ducks and pulsatilla. And um, and phosphorus is a real important one, too. I mean, as I as I look down this list in the article, the, um, I think those are probably the four big ones. Okay. And phos- phosphorus, um, phosphorus will get your attention for animals that are vomiting about 10 or 15 minutes after they eat or drink. Mm. It's as soon it's the older homie pest said, as soon as the food or the water warms in the stomach, they bring it out. So that, Interesting. Kind of you, that time frame is pretty close after it's not immediately, but it's not hours later. It's within about 15 or 20 minutes. And, um, and I think, yeah, a there's time, a lot of people that have, that have uh, experienced that. Yeah, so if that's happening, or if there's any blood in the vomit, especially a bright red color, or in the stool, you know, phosphorus. And these these dogs are used to be very thirsty, too. They want to drink a ton of water, and they're vomiting it up 10 or 15 minutes later. Hmm. Maybe they're scared of storms and fireworks and things like that. So, um, and, you know, you'll see, the thing is, you'll see animals go into these remedy states, as they go into IBS, you know, as they like, like several months after their vaccine, all of a sudden they're scared of storms and exactly, you know, they can't keep their food and water down very well and stools aren't normal anymore. And so, you know, people will start questioning the diet wondering, well, Mm -hmm. we need to change the food. And really it's been a shift on a deeper level. You know, it's been the immune system and Mm -hmm. the immune system of the gut has taken a hit and now you've got this different, this different situation happening. Almost like a, like a takeover from, (laughs) you know, some other being because it's, it, you know, because it is so different, you know, especially if you have a dog that is usually not bothered by thunderstorms and fireworks. And the next thing you know, you look at them and they're just shaking violently and drooling and, Hiding yeah. as far in the bathtub or you know some other little nook yeah. and cranny that they yeah. can get in, but yeah, um, yeah takeover is a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. and it's it, again, it, it's um, 
in, in general, we're just not, you know, taught. It's not, you know, part of what we're used to is, is connecting the vaccine mm-hmm. with that symptom profile, especially since time has passed. So, yeah, yeah, right. And so, you know, the first thing the conventional um, thinker comes up with is, you know, well, we need we need some medicine to block these symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so here comes the list of they, antis. <laughs> here comes the antis. And and they're usually pretty successful at stopping the symptoms or at least or at least modifying the symptoms. So mm-hmm. they aren't bad. But what they've done is they've kind of um, they've kind of put a roadblock up for the body, which was trying to fix something. You know, it's, mm. it's the symptoms are the body's expression of um, how it's trying to fix itself. Right. And so so when you block that, you you've said, hey, stop doing that. I don't want you to fix that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so the body will end up taking a detour and put that energy somewhere else. And it's usually not a good a good place. Right. So you look at dogs that start out with IBS or IBD and then start on medication, what comes after that later on? Usually liver problems, kidney problems, mm-hmm. um, you know, seizures. And those are those are the ways the energy gets rerouted. That disease energy is what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Sure. Have um, you also yeah. found that in addition to treating the chronic disease, um, you know, some, some therapy for the gut, in other words, enzymes, pre and probiotics, um, things that kind mm-hmm. of calm, even like, you know, licorice root, marshmallow root, you know, some of those things that mm-hmm. are calming to the gut. Mm-hmm. Have you seen um, much use on your end um, in that, I guess, in that category? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot of good things out there and you, you just named most of them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, those are very good. And we we will almost always include those into our treatment, you know, mm-hmm. along with remedy and remedy, maybe diet recommendations, but also um, probiotics especially, you know, mm-hmm. are really helpful. But enzymes, and there's, there's a lot of products now that are like combination products mm-hmm. that have a lot of those things combined. And, you know, there's different companies that have some really good Mm-hmm. Um, really good things there, and and they're really worth checking into. You know, most of them, if you if you're looking for something like that, if you go with somebody who's a reputable source, you know, you're going to get a really good product. Yeah, and those are some and, of the things too that we can mm-hmm. help direct um, clients yeah. and customers because we've seen we're you know we're super picky about the products that we carry and in all of that. Oh and, yeah, um, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. you know I've just seen. Many times, you know, when you have something, you know, a gut issue, um, you know, the enzymes pre and probiotics seem to really at least help. Um, Again, Mm -hmm. I think the homeopathy is what's going to get to the root. But Mm -hmm. while we're getting to the root, you know, we can also help the gut relieve some of the symptoms. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's like you're making things easier for the body Mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Because the... You know, the, the life force does the fixing, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's where the, you know, it's the energy, the life force is the energy that created the body in the first place. Right. And so it knows how to fix things better than, you know, any drug knows how to do mm-hmm. that. And, but if you, if you give it the right guidance and you add things in like the enzymes and the supplements that are, 
mm-hmm. helpful. You know, you're going to have a really potent combination. Absolutely. Usually, yeah. Yeah, and it's it and again, you know, I think, um, you know, it's just those are some of the things that you know some conventional vets do suggest, but um, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's the anti. So then, even more important, if you have and if you've given your dog an antibiotic to try to help clear up the IBS or IBD, yeah. more important yeah. than ever, you know, yeah. trying to repopulate the good bacteria. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I know a lot of conventional vets are focusing more and more on using things like probiotics. You know, it's, it's quite a stretch for some of them, but, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are, are starting to do that. And they'll, they'll send a probiotic home mm-hmm. along with an antibiotic, which seems kind of, you know, counterproductive, but, but it really isn't because it, it can help mm-hmm. because the probiotics can really help to keep the gut in better shape mm-hmm. in, in spite of the antibiotic treatment. And, Right. You know, and in, but I'm not I'm not totally anti antibiotic. Mm-hmm. You know, they they have a place mm-hmm. in treatment and sometimes they have to be used, you know, just to save lives, but um you know, just knowing the potential damage they can cause, you know, and how to sure. fix that is really important, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I think that's yeah. important. You know, there's always a place and a time for, you know, certain conventional medications. Um and mm-hmm. in general, um, they mm-hmm. are just maybe the first thing that a lot of vets try, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, yeah, they're, yeah, they are probably one of the most overused drugs in mm-hmm. the world, you know, mm-hmm. especially, especially in the U.S. and, you know, mm-hmm. Western countries. Yep. Used a lot. Yeah. And there's, you know, and there's a lot of awareness of that too in veterinary medicine, especially is aware of it. Because of livestock, you know, and the way antibiotics are used in livestock and sure. tend to show up in the food supply. So mm-hmm. people are more and more sensitive about that these days, which is a good thing. Most definitely. Yeah. So as we're kind of like closing up here, can you just maybe <clears throat> maybe sum up or kind of help people with what are some of the big things that they can do to maybe help that that um that poor little dog or cat that is just suffering and, you know, and also with, I mean, the family's suffering too, because it is so hard whenever, you know, you start to hear that vomiting, the pre-vomit, you know, in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. it's 3am and, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh my gosh, grab the, grab them quick. You know, I know it's, it's horrible. And well, living with any animal that is having health issues is, mm-hmm. is no picnic, you know, and, but probably cleaning up messes is at the top of the list. Of course. Yes. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, I just had to put a dog down today that had diarrhea for about five months and Mm. she, she had some kind of intestinal cancer, but, Mm. but you know, the precursor to that, the precancer state is IBS or IBD, you know, so, you know, IBS or IBD that, that goes on and on and isn't, isn't healed turns into cancer. Sure. Most times. So yeah, the body's kind of crying uncle, I would think at that point. Yeah. It just can't fix it. It Mm -hmm. can't fix it. And it just gets into that real advanced state. But yeah, I think, well, I think my, I think my main advice would be, you know, to, to check out some of the other options besides conventional treatment and don't Mm -hmm. assume that that's your only option. If you have an animal with those kind of problems, Mm -hmm. You know, seek out seek out some holistic help at at um, 
good pet stores, mm-hmm. like Park Avenue, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, or or look for holistic vets. You know, go to the directory online and find a find a holistic vet near you if you want to see face to face. Have a face to face visit, or you can do virtual visits. Mm-hmm. You know, with with uh, people who do long distance consults, like like me. Right. And and so there's a lot of good help available, and that's uh, a lot of folks I talk to. That's one of the things they say is they they didn't realize they could find help. You know, they didn't realize they could do things like that, and thought they just had to rely on whoever was in their neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so just being aware of it, you know, being aware of the options that are out there and, and, and just being aware of, you know, the goals of holistic treatment compared to conventional treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you said that because I think in general, um, again, we don't, we don't even question, you know, cause we, this is what, my vet suggested, and I'm going to be a good pet yeah. parent and follow the directions, you know? And so mm-hmm. until we see that that isn't working, you know, and then we yeah. are, you know, trying to seek another answer and, yeah. Um, yeah. but maybe from the get go, you know, just try to have an open mind and realize that mm-hmm. it's, you know, there are other options. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, you know, remember that the body, the body has powerful ways of fixing itself mm-hmm. and, and it can do that with the right kind of help. And mm-hmm. even in vet school, they told us, you know, that 80% of the animals we saw were going to get better no matter what we did. <laughs> so interesting. Even, if we did, even if we did the wrong thing, they were going to get better. Oh, wow. And That's interesting. So, yeah, the, the dean of our vet school came in like in the first week and told us that. And then he said, 10% of them are going to get worse no matter what you do. And the other 10% are the ones that you actually help. <laughs> that is and interesting. We thought, um, you know, we didn't know if that was supposed to fire us up or discourage us, but really, it's something that's always stuck with me. And I think it's true. And I think the reason the 80% get better is because the body is so well designed, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it can fix itself in the face of bad treatment even. So, right. Um, yeah. So just, you know, understanding that truth, I think, and, and yeah. doing things to help support that process that the body's going to do. Yeah. It's going to tend to try to go that route. And, and like you said, you know, sometimes it just needs that little kick, especially if, you know, it's a chronic disease issue that's maybe, you know, set in kind of, you know, set, set up house in their body. And so, you know, something like the right remedy, the right homeopathic remedy might be what just kind of prompts them to mm-hmm. move in the healing direction. Yeah, exactly. It, I think a lot of times it acts like a catalyst, you know, it just, mm-hmm. it, it gets the process started or it accelerates it a little bit. Right. So, yeah, because, because remedies, you know, they're not really like drugs. They don't really have a drug action on the body. They, they just are having a energetic action on mm-hmm. the, on the energy of the body. So, yeah. So that's an important thing to, remember too, when you're dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're treating energy with energy. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. a very good point. And, yeah. you know, again, I can, I'll put your um, consulting website in the show notes so that if someone that's listening has really been struggling and they really want to meet with you and, you know, maybe try to find that 
that perfect remedy, you know, um, and I say perfect yeah. in quotes because I know that, you know, there may be several that fit the profile. Um, that yeah. maybe getting that's that, always a goal. Exactly. Yes. But having someone that, that knows, you know, prescribing homeopathy for chronic disease, um, they can, they can also look to you and then we can help them nutritionally. You know, we've got mm-hmm. lots of different foods and, um, supplements maybe, you know, to help support that gut as they're going through mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it makes it a good combination. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very good combination. I think the, the best possible one, you know, yes. you combine the good nutrition with the right remedy. I think you're going to really have good results. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been so helpful. And I know so many people um, are going to be so glad that this was a topic because, it is, it is very common. It happens. And I know you see it, you know, mm-hmm. probably daily, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, so I'm so glad that yep. we had a chance to kind of dive in a little bit deeper on that. Yeah, me too. Me too. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Talking about this. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we will talk soon. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so that I can reach back out to you. I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.